Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Folks, listen, I believe with all my heart that, that God uses the church to get people through dark valleys. And last year, we had one of the darkest valleys of our life, the darkest valley of our life. And this church was there for us. You guys sent us a love offering so I could be with my family and help them heal. And I'm so grateful for that. And I just want to tell you, I love this church. Man, I I get excited when I get on this campus. You know, my heart rate goes up a little bit. Amen? Amen. And I got AFib, so that ain't a good thing. (laughs) Amen? But but I just get excited about knowing that I'm coming here. You know, it it, it makes it uh, just life worth living. Amen? Because this place is like an oasis. And listen, I've been all over the country just this year. This year I've been to Oklahoma and and been to Kentucky and Missouri and uh, all over the South. And, and I just want to tell you, this is not happening everywhere. Y'all don't ever need to take this for granted. This church is special. Amen? And, and listen, you've got some of the greatest music in the world. Amen? Fantastic. But you absolutely have the greatest pastor. And I love Joel Sutherland. Amen? That's a good place for an amen, church. Don't make him insecure when he watches this tape now. Amen. Amen. But, but folks, I, I tell you, he's been one of my best friends for, uh, you know, 10, 15 years now. And uh, he's just uh, such a dear, dear friend. Ministered to me like no other last summer. And uh, last year, we spent the entire year getting ready for a wedding. I mean, the entire year. And we were so excited. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I use this verse to preach this message. This is my life verse. I pastored five years before I went on the road. I've been on the road full-time for 18 years in itinerant evangelism, itinerant preaching, full-time evangelism. And, And I want you to know, listen, I was having a dark season. It was a tough time. And I came in the house, and my wife had written me a letter. And at the bottom of that letter, she had included this verse. I want you to stand as we honor God's Word. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a great future and a great hope. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being that great future and that great hope. Thank you for heaven. And thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you have right here on earth. Thank you for how you use us and use each other. God, to to bless each other. God, I just pray in that day that, God, if anyone's here lost, you would draw them to yourself. Lord, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray if anybody's struggling, that you'd just uh, intersect right at the point of their need. If anybody's discouraged, I pray you would fill them up. Lord, I pray today that you would bind uh, the evil one from coming against any decision to be made or any family represented here today. And Lord, I just pray too for great liberty and freedom to preach your word, to receive your word, and most importantly, to respond to you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Folks, I want you to know, all last year we were preparing for my oldest daughter Macy's wedding. Doing every single thing that she wanted, trying to cross, uh, check off every box, 
make sure that, that she was happy and, and her day was perfect. And I remember the first time that I ever met Mikey. Mikey was several years older than her. He was coming to be a youth minister at our church. And we were at the executive committee meeting down in Georgia. And I saw my pastor with him. My pastor's on the executive committee too. And I served on it for about five years. And I looked across and I saw him and I saw this young man with him. Well, at the break time, they made the way over and he introduced him. And he said, hey, he's going to be our youth pastor and working with our youth. And, and man, we talked for a long time. And he told me later, he said, man, I was immediately attracted to you because you were the only one in the room that had spiky hair. And I told him, I said, well, at my age, I'm just praising God. It's still hanging on. Amen. So I came home, and I didn't tell Macy, but I told my wife. I said, you know, I met somebody today that I feel like that Macy would really like. And it's so funny because she didn't like him at all when she first met him. There were two or three older guys that were working with the youth, and she went up to the youth room upstairs one day, and she came down and told a friend, who are all them old weirdos up there helping with the youth? And, and man, he pursued her. And, and, and he just knew that, that she was the one. And it was the very first time, just so happened to be the very first time that I ever preached at Peavine. I came home and he was in my TV room. And he had this big old look on his face, this big smile like the cat that ate the canary. And he said, well, we're dating. I wore her down. <laughs> and he did wear her down, amen. <laughs> but, but I'll never forget getting a call from him. Macy told me about when they fell in love. She said, I fell in love with him when he took me to the Tennessee Aquarium. See, Macy's real shy. She was valedictorian. The first time most of her class ever heard her talk was when she gave her valedictorian speech. She's just real shy. And he wasn't. His personality was huge. He'd walk in a room and he'd just light up a room. And everything was, hey man, epic, it's epic. Yeah! And I mean, just all the time, that's just who he was. Like a big old Roman candle that exploded, you know? And, and, and I remember Macy saying, Daddy, we went to the aquarium and he took me on that, that first date. And so we came down the stairs and we were on that little platform. And he pulls out his phone and he turns on a song. And he just grabs my shy daughter in the middle of God and everybody and starts just dancing up there with her. Right in the middle of the crowd. And she said she fell in love with him that night. And I remember getting a call from him last January. He said, Mr. Fawcett, I want to take you to lunch. Well, I knew what that was. So I said, sure. And I showed up about 30 minutes late. <laughs> Made him real good and nervous, amen. And, and looked at me and he said, I love Macy with all my heart. And I want to spend the rest of my life with her. And he said, I want to marry her. And he said two things. He said, I've got to have your blessing, and I want you to marry us. And I said, the short answer to, to both is yes. And then we talked about two and a half hours. And afterwards, he kind of caught me off guard. And I usually don't get caught off guard, but he looked at me, and he said, we've been looking at rings, and, and, and she found the one that makes her smile, that makes her happy. He said, would you go with me to get it? So I went with him out there to the store, and he purchased that ring, an engagement ring, and that Sunday night at our church, he had a video of all the pictures of them dating, you know, throughout the years. And, and, and then he called her up on stage and he, he got down and proposed to her. And man, it was just wonderful. Our family was there and it was just a, a wonderful night. 
Man, we planned and planned and planned on that wedding. Tuesday night before the wedding, about 1.30 in the morning, Tuesday morning, my phone rang, and I, I wasn't asleep yet. My wife had already went to bed, and I looked down, and I saw Macy's name. And you parents know anytime you see your child's name, and it's a wee hours of the morning, it's never a good thing. And I answered the phone, and she said, just, just crying into the phone, she said, Daddy, can you meet me in the emergency room? Mikey's tried to kill herself. And, and you know, folks, that just doesn't process. So, so I, I, I just said into the phone, I said, what, what, what'd you say? She said, Daddy, would you meet me at the emergency room? Mikey's tried to kill herself. And we rushed up to the emergency room. And, you know, normally when you get to an emergency room, especially in the middle of the morning, I mean, there's sick people everywhere and it's packed out and there was nobody there. I mean, it was crickets. It was like a ghost town. It was just eerie. And my wife walked up to the reception and she said, do you have Michael Glass? She said, no. I walked outside and it was me and her mom and her grandmother and I said honey we're here she said daddy I'm in the officer's car she said we're right behind the ambulance and we're almost there and about that time I could hear the the siren in the distance in just a few minutes they pulled up the ramp and the, the ambulance veered off and and Macy got out that SUV just stopped right in front of us and Macy got out and she just collapsed right in front of us just crying just over and over and over. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Folks, earlier in the night, she had been out there to the house, the farmhouse where they were going to live. Man, they had it already decorated, had scripture on the wall, had a dream room in the house over one of the mantles that had Glass family established 2018. Man, all they had to do was get married and move in. I mean, it was a beautiful little house. He had already moved in. She had left, and when she got home, she got a text from him that was really odd. It said, Macy, I love you like crazy. If I die, just know that I love you like crazy. And she knew that was odd, and she started trying to call him and text him, and, and, and she got in her car and, and, and drove to the house as fast as she could. And when she walked in that back room, into the living room, that back door into the living room. All of her hopes, all of her dreams, everything at one time was just flushed. He was sitting up on the couch and he had put a plastic bag over his head and he had pulled the cord and he had ran a tube up into the, to the bag and he had an apparatus that he was shooting gas cartridges. And you know, the coroner told us if it had been one or two or three, it would have just made him numb, but they were everywhere. Macy said they were just everywhere. And she went in and immediately pulled the bag off and got him on the floor and called 911. And she did CPR on him for over 20 or 25 minutes until the ambulance got there. And she told me, she said, Dad, she said, I felt like there were demons all around that room just laughing at me. And I said, honey, spiritual warfare is real. I said, there probably were demons that were laughing at you. And there was a song that he had put on a speaker, a loudspeaker. And it was on a loop and it just played over and over and over and over. So every single sense that she had, her smell, because those gases would come up as she would try to press and try to breathe into his life. Sight. 
touch, hearing. And she was exhausted. Her friend there at the emergency room that was going to be in her wedding that had played basketball with her all through high school came out and helped her up and guided her to the chapel. We went around to the chapel and, and his dad was in the, in the chapel. His dad was a doctor and he's an OBYGN and he was on call delivering babies. And he was laying in that floor and had his face in the, in the pillow in the chair. And he just looked up with a look that I'll never forget as long as I live. Macy later told me she imagined that was a look that was on God's face when Jesus was on the cross. Because it was just a, a helpless look. Dumbfounded look. After a little while, the trauma doctor came in and he talked to him. He told him, said, we've done everything we could do. He's just not going to make it. He said, well, just call it. I didn't know if Macy had heard. So I leaned over to her and I said, honey, I said, he's not going to make it. They're going to call it. I went back there with her, me and her mom and her grandmother. And we watched her over that lifeless body for that last time. And she would just stroke his hair and kiss his cheek and stroke his hair and kiss his cheek. And that went on for over an hour. Oh, baby, why? Oh, baby, baby, baby. Oh, baby, why? Man, I've never in my life as a father felt so helpless to watch my baby girl's heart break in a million pieces. And it was absolutely nothing I could do. On the way home in the car, she was in the back seat with her mom, and her mom was consoling her. And I was talking to her, looking through the rearview mirror. She said, Daddy, I did everything I could do to save him. I said, Honey, if love could have saved him, you would have saved him. Because she loved him so much. She said, Daddy, how am I ever going to get over this? I said, honey, you're never going to get over this. But with God's help, you'll get through this. I told her, I said, me and mom have always been able to help you because we're older and we've been through things. But I said, we've never been through this. We've never walked this road. But I said, I promise you, we'll be with you every step of the way to help you heal. That week, everything just changed. It was like time was suspended. My wife called me. They, we went from planning a wedding to on a dime, changing and planning for a funeral. My wife called me when they were out doing some errands, and she said, Macy wants to do the eulogy. She said, God told her to. I said, well, honey, if God told her to, he'll get her through it. She did the most amazing eulogy I've ever seen. She knew she was the only one that could really capture the essence of who he was. And she said he, she wants to be at the church at the time of the funeral, at the time of the wedding, when the wedding was supposed to be. See, in the state of Georgia, when there's a suicide, there's automatic autopsy. So they took his body to the crime lab. They released it on Thursday. The natural flow of things would have been to have the service on Saturday, but that's when the wedding was going to be. So Saturday morning, my, my wife came in. I was sitting at the table. We were going to go out to the church. And she said, honey, she said, uh, Macy put something on her Facebook. 
you need to look at it. And I said, no, just have her tag me in it. She said, no, you need to go look at it. And Macy wrote this on the day of their wedding. To my groom on our wedding day. Michael, when I say the love I have for you is indescribable, don't take it lightly. You're the most incredible man I've ever met. And knowing you rock my world. Because of you, I view the world differently. I see brokenness and my own heart breaks. I look up at the stars and wonder how we serve such an amazing God. I take in every sunrise and every sunset. I let music speak to me. I dance. I let others know how much they mean to me. Because of you, I raise my hands in awe of God. And I'm not afraid to fall on my knees and cry no matter who is watching. You taught me that true faith is not about praising God when what we want happens. But it's about praising God no matter what happens. And baby, even though today is not what we wanted to happen, I will praise God all day. And I know you will too. I may not see you at 3 o'clock, Michael Glass, but I will see you soon. You may have beaten me to forever, but I can't wait to be in your arms again. I love you like crazy, and I always will. See you soon, Macy. We took that child out to that church at 3 o'clock that afternoon. And I watched her as she walked that aisle of that empty, dark church by herself. She laid on that altar and she, she cried and she prayed and she cried and she prayed. And she had her phone and on that phone she had every song that they were going to sing in that wedding. And she listened to every single one of those songs. And after a while we came in and we prayed with her. And she looked at me after a little while and she said, Well, Daddy, I'd be married. Man, that just broke my heart. Man, what should have been the happiest day of her life. The next day when she did that eulogy, it was amazing. She stood up and she, she captured the essence of who he was and she told stories. You know, he called himself Mr. Smooth. He was really clumsy. She told a story about one time he was really tight with money. So one time they were coming in and he wanted to save on gas. So he turned the key off and coasted down the driveway. And he had his foot on the brake and he leaned over to kiss her. And when he did, he pulled his foot off the brake and ran into the house. And it woke his parents up and his dad goes, what is that? And his mom said, oh, that's just Mikey. The night that he died, Macy was laying in the living room, just laying in the floor right there at my feet. And it came a terrible storm, man, and the, the thunder just jarred the whole house. And Macy just looked up and said, well, that's Mikey up there tearing up heaven. Folks, can I tell you something? Listen, suicide is not, is not the sin unto death or the unforgivable sin. The unforgivable sin, the sin unto death is dying without Jesus in your heart. You've got to know that you know that you know that you're saved. 
And can I tell you something? Listen, suicide is never the answer. The truth is the devil is a liar. He come to steal, kill, and destroy. And people say, what do you do with this verse? Man, what do you do with this verse when you go through something like that? You hold on to it and cling to it more than you ever have. Because the Lord doesn't have plans for disaster for you. But the devil does. The devil's got plans for disaster for you. The Lord has plans for a great future and a great hope. When Mikey made that permanent decision, that terrible, awful, permanent decision, listen, it didn't end the pain, it transferred the pain to everybody that loved him, everybody that cared about him. And the bottom line is, listen, that's never the answer. Because here's what it cost him. It cost him 50 years of serving the Lord. 50 years of being married, 50 years of having children and grandchildren, all the many blessings that come with our life. Man, listen, I had a, a time when I was 21 years old that, that my dad died. I got a DUI. I fell out with my mom. I was living on a friend's couch. My girlfriend broke up with me at Christmas. I mean, I was down. And I thought about it, but I struggled through it. I pushed through it. And you know what? Five years later, I met the girl of my dreams. Happily married for 28 years. Four beautiful children and I couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine not having a ministry that's taken me all over the world. The greatest parts of my life were right in front of me. But the devil overwhelmed him. When the devil comes to you and speaks that into your life, you're not worthy why don't you just give up? Why don't you just end it all? You tell him, devil, you're a liar. God's got great plans for me. God's got a great future for me. I remember being at that funeral and they asked me to do the invitation. I shared with them what I share with a lot of kids across the nation. And that's three things you've got to get right. You've got to get Jesus right. If you don't get Jesus right, you'll go to hell. Who you marry? If you don't get that right, you'll live in hell. <laughs> I'm glad nobody said amen. <laughs> in South Carolina a few weeks ago, I said that exact same thing, and this man over here to my left said, amen, preacher. I thought, is he drunk or crazy, you know? And then he met me at the back, and he said, I just want to clear something up. I wasn't talking about her. I was talking about the first one I married. <laughs> I said, well, praise God. I thought you was going home to get killed. <laughs> But Mikey got Jesus right. He was saved. You say, man, how in the world could a minister of the gospel, could somebody that was saved, how could somebody do like that? Listen, he had issues. He had mental illness. He had went off his medicine because he said it made him feel like a zombie. Can I tell you something? We throw crazy around in this culture way too, too loosely. We say, oh, she's crazy, oh, he's crazy. There's real mental illness that requires help, that requires medicine that God allowed to be made, doctors and therapists to help, but also love and prayer and compassion from, from Christians. Listen, there's a lot of people struggling with mental illness. There's a lot of people struggling. There's people right here in this room this morning that are struggling. And I want you to know God's got plans for you. He's got a great future and a great hope for you. 
And Mikey, man, he was getting the second one right because he was marrying my beautiful daughter. And the third one, he was a preacher of the gospel. Folks, here's what I want you to know. The most important thing ever in your life, the most important decision ever in your life is you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven. Not that you hope so. Not that you maybe so. Not that like some people say, well, I'm 98% sure. Like an old country preacher said one time, I'm not your judge, I'm not your jury, you're never going to stand in front of me. But if you're 98% sure, you're probably 100% lost. Listen, you've got to know that you're saved. Jesus loved us so much that he stepped out of all the splendor of heaven. Listen, he was born of a virgin via the Virgin Mary. He lived 33 and a half sinless years. He went to that cross. On the way to that cross, he had a crown of thorns the size of my little finger. Listen, shoved in his head. Had his back beat off until his organs were exposed. Was spit on, was mocked. But he went to that cross. He was nailed to that tree. And he took on my sin and your sin and the sin of the world. And listen, he gave up his life. Nobody took it. And they put him in an old barred tomb. And on the third day, he rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Man, I remember when I went to Israel in 95, I had a prayer partner. She was full-blown Pentecostal. She wasn't bad because so she's Pentecostal. And she was an older lady, Amelia. And I remember she had already been to Israel, and she looked at me knowing I was going on the trip. She said, I, I went to that garden tomb, and when I got to that garden tomb, she said, I just didn't feel nothing. I said, Amelia, there ain't nothing there. Amen? He's a risen Lord. Listen, He is a risen Lord. He's a risen Savior. The tomb couldn't hold Him. And today, if you don't have that Savior, listen, you need to pray and ask Him into your heart and make today the day of your salvation. Because what I just told you, that gospel story, that's head knowledge. But you get to heaven with heart knowledge. Listen, when you've received Him, when you've asked Him to come in and forgive you of your sin. And you've asked Him to save you and come into your heart and into your life. That's the most important thing that you'll ever do. Right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. You say, preacher, I believe with all my heart God's speaking to me. I believe God brought me here today just to hear the gospel, to be saved. I believe everything that you said about Jesus stepping out of heaven and going to that cross. But I can't go to a time that I've ever made it personal. And today, I want to make today the day of my salvation. You're here today and you say, man, that's what I want to do. I want to lead you in what we in the church call a simple sinner's prayer. And I want you to know and I want to be clear there's no magic words, but it's you meaning business with God. I also want you to know that you're not praying this to the Southern Baptist or Georgia Baptist or Peavine. You're praying this to the Lord Jesus. The one that matters. The one that's ready, willing, and able to save you. You say, man, that's what I want to do. Well, right now I'm just going to pray aloud. and You can just pray softly or silently where you are. Lord Jesus...
today the very best way I know how. I'm turning from my sin. And I'm turning to you. Lord, today, I come believing by faith in the finished work of Calvary. A bloody cross and an empty tomb. And today, I surrender all that I am to you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Right now, if that's you, you say, man, I just prayed. I know the Lord heard me. I know he saved me. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.